we thought we'd let Johnny Cash uh, sing his own song today. This uh, cover of Nine Inch Nails' Hurt almost didn't happen. Uh, Cash had his doubts, and honestly, when he heard the original that they played, uh, he couldn't understand it beyond all the industrial noise and the, the anguished howling. Uh, this was the music I listened to in high school, which probably tells you all you need to know about me. Um, and I wonder if Trent Reznor ever imagined that a Nine Inch Nails song would be played in church. But Johnny's producer told him, hey, just read the lyrics and get back to me. And he did, and he decided to record it. Trent Reznor said that his song was a valentine to the sufferer, and it had some dark origins in his life. In the early 90s, Reznor rented a house in L.A. that had once been owned by the actress Sharon Tate, and it was the scene of her gruesome murder by the Manson family in 1969. The faint outline of the word pig is still scratched where it had been scrawled on the door the night of her killing. Reznor later left the studio because the history of the house just became too much for him to handle. And it's in that house where he wrote the song Hurt as a way of trying to stay sane through his depression and his desperation and his isolation that was taking place in his life at that time. Despite being flattered that Johnny Cash wanted to record one of his songs, he also had his doubts. He found it strange this other person was trying to inhabit his most personal song about his life. But what changed his opinion was that video. It was seeing that video. It unfolded like a four-minute biography of the life and career of Johnny Cash. That first clip where Johnny is riding the train, you just get the chills, and Reznor wasn't prepared for it. What he had written in his diary, this new song was now superimposed on the life of a country music icon. By the end, he said he was in pieces. Tears were welling up in his eyes. He was silent. He had goosebumps. And he said this, it isn't my song anymore. There's something about seeing Johnny Cash as a young, vibrant rock star and then seeing him at the end of his life that's just so powerful. You see a picture you see his wife, June Carter, there just looking upon him fondly as he sings about a story, only to find out that she dies shortly after the filming of the video. And later that same year, he did as well. The song revealed all the creaks and crags in his voice as he got older. Um, and yet somehow, even as his voice becomes weaker, it's like the meaning in the song becomes more powerful. Like there's wisdom in his voice. There's wisdom in the strain that's there. The more broken he sounded, the more meaningful the message had. Trent Reznor wrote the song while struggling with his own addiction. He was wondering if he even had a reason to live. 
this young man looks at the worst truth that he's ever embraced, the abyss that's in his own heart. He's wondering if anything can repair it. Johnny Cash recorded the song on the other end of that. Now as an old man looking back on his life with sorrow and regret, all the things that he wished he could change, the hurt that he caused himself and the hurt that he caused the people that he loved. He recorded the video in the House of Cash, now a broken down museum that once honored his career. It had shutters on it. The image of this closed down place in a state of disrepair, it illustrates how quickly fame and success can fade and disappear from life. A man who seemingly had it all is just looking back and wondering if it was all worth it. And I think it begs the question in all of us, what will you wish that you had done differently when you are in the face of death? What would you change? And what about that fleeting nature of success and wealth and fame? Johnny sings, you can have it all. My empire of dirt. He knew that Jesus was right when Jesus said, the treasures we lay up on earth are all eaten away by moth, by rust. Don't find out too late that you're building your life on things that don't last, Jesus says. Don't build your castle on a foundation of sand. You need a firm foundation. Johnny knew he was right. And of course, the song is about loss. Everyone I know, he sings, goes away in the end. Like his brother Jack, who died when he was a kid. Like his wife, June Carter Cash, just after releasing this video. And the question for all of us, is there anything we can do about that? About death? The Hurt video that year did not win the MTV Award for Video of the Year. The award went to Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River. When he accepted the award, he said this, My grandfather raised me on Johnny Cash. I'm from Tennessee. And I think he deserves this more than any of us here tonight. And the crowd applauded. Perhaps the most famous image of Johnny Cash is from the pages of Billboard magazine in 1998. I had to clean it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, Johnny's trying to give the finger. I'm going to give you the cross, so no matter what. Um, he's given the finger to the country music industry. This is a favorite of T-shirts and dorm room posters. Um, there's another picture of Johnny Cash that is circulating this week, by the way. There's a water tower in his hometown, and, and there's a picture of Johnny Cash in it, on it. And somebody shot the water tower, and they hit it in the perfect spot so it looks like Johnny is peeing. I'm not going to show you that one. You can look it up for yourself. But ever since 1986, when Columbia Records had canceled his contract, Johnny felt that he had been put out to pasture. And now he was recording new music, 
He's recording covers of other famous songs, and once again, he's winning awards. And Cash was hesitant for this video to go out. He thought it was ugly. It didn't belong in a magazine. The caption read, we would like to acknowledge the Nashville Music Establishment and Country Radio for your support. Wink, wink. His message was sent. For all those that had written off his career, he's given you the finger. The photo is from San Quentin State Prison. The photographer, Jim Marshall, asked him to take a photo for the warden, and that's what he got. <laughs> you know, it's hard to be an outlaw and a saint at the same time. It's hard. But Johnny tried. He sure tried. He believed in Jesus, and yet he trashed so many hotel rooms, he knew the cost of every piece of furniture in them because he had paid the bills so many times. Bono, the lead singer of U2, said this about Johnny Cash. He is the most male voice in Christendom. Every man knows he's a sissy compared to Johnny Cash. And while, while that may be true, when it comes to his struggles, his failures, and his heartache, this doesn't count for anything. It doesn't matter anymore when you're going through all that other stuff. Same thing with his wealth and his fame. If anything, his wealth and his fame probably contributed to the hurt he was causing himself. To the hurt he was causing the people that he loved. It's an empire of dirt. It doesn't matter. And when Johnny sings Reznor's words, you can have it all. I believe him. He means it. You can have it all. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy. He's talking to us. He's talking to Johnny Cash. He says, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When you read this list, what word sticks out? What words stick out? What are the things that convict you? This is Paul's warning. This is how sin wants to attack you. It comes subtly. It sneaks into your life. It wants you to be self-focused and selfish, self-involved. And it wants you to leave the, the needs of the world. It wants you to ignore them and leave them out of your life. This is like all the ways that sin likes to get in and mess it up. Paul's getting to the heart of the problem for humanity. It's all the ways that sin keeps us from loving God and loving each other. These are the things that build an empire of dirt. And dirt is used to cover coffins. And Johnny Cash is realizing at the end of his life when he's singing this song 
that what he's really got is a coffin problem. And all of us will also have a coffin problem, and we need God to answer. His pastors once asked him, when you meet Jesus, what do you want Jesus to say to you? He said this, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. It's because he was heavy laden. It's because he was burdened. He suffered, and he needed a God who invited him to come to him and just to let him rest. And Johnny Cash knew that was Jesus. It's what Johnny tried to do during his life to offer others who he thought were burdened, who were heavy laden. It's why he shared his faith with his good friend, Waylon Jennings. While he was really overcome with grief when Waylon finally died, much too early, Johnny was also overjoyed because just before his death, Waylon Jennings had recommitted his life to Christ. And Cash knew that was the only thing that mattered. It's why he shared his faith with prisoners. He himself had been arrested and locked up seven times. He himself was guilty of drug possession. Once he even started a wildfire. So yeah, when he walked on the stage at Folsom Prison, he was saying, I see you. I know you. I'm one of you. And I love you. And I'm with you. Richard Beck said this, The music of Johnny Cash is a sacrament that makes the love of God believable, a visible sign of an invisible reality for the broken and beaten down. The music of the man in black gives people the power to comprehend just how deep and wide is God's love for them. Have you ever thought of yourself as a sacrament? That you're a sacrament. A sacrament is something physical that has been blessed by God's word. In the Lutheran church, we teach that there's two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, we have other rituals, what we might call uh, mini-sacraments, things like a Christian marriage, confirmation, the ordination of a pastor. We have these other sacraments that, 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 that matter, but only two sacraments that meet the criteria. They are instituted and mandated by Jesus for all believers, where he tells us to take something physical, to bless it God's word for the benefit of all Christians. It's for all of you. And so today we have a total of six baptisms, which is amazing. What a celebration uh, that truly is. Uh, What a blessing. When we celebrate baptism, water and word for the forgiveness of sins. We all have a birthday. And now this child has a rebirthday, a rebirthday into the name of God. 
When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's bread and wine, but it's combined with God's word. It's no ordinary meal. It's not just a symbolic meal. Paul tells us it strengthens our faith. God has given us a faith initiator and a faith strengthener. This is God's grace that we can feel. This is God's grace that we can taste. But what if we also saw ourselves as living sacraments? A living sign of an invisible reality for the beaten down. A sacrament needs God's word to go from ordinary water to become a blessing from God. And this is what scripture says about you. You have Christ living in you. You have Christ living in you. You have God's word in you. In fact, scripture says it over and over and over again because we need reminding. You have Christ living in you. In fact, it's entirely possible that for many people, the only Christ that they're going to meet is the Christ that's in you. The only Bible they're ever going to read is the Christ that's living in you. I wish more Christians sold themselves this way, as a sacrament. We all have rituals that we do when we encounter sacred things. Like some people, they won't put their Bible on the floor. They feel like it's disrespectful. They're acknowledging that the Bible is sacred to them. Uh, for some people, when they come forward for communion, uh, they, they have rituals they do. Some people bow when they come forward for communion. Uh, for other people, they make the sign of the cross upon themselves before they take communion. I've also seen the nervous look on people's faces when they receive the, the communion wafer and they accidentally drop it. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Do I pick it up? Do I still have to eat it? Is God mad at me because I just dropped Jesus? I mean, it, it's because we're acknowledging that this is something sacred. It's something holy. Um, but what if you saw yourself that way? Because you have Christ, what does it say? Living in you. You have the power of Christ in you. You have the love of Christ in you. Now sure, there's some other stuff in you as well. Stuff that you'd rather not admit to. There's mistakes in there. There's shame in there. There's a lot of regret in there. There's selfishness in there. But those things no longer define you. Because as a Christian, you have Christ in you. You have a new identity. You are sacred. You can be a blessing. You can be a miracle. Do you want to know the greatest thing that God ever said about you? The greatest thing. He said it about you before you even existed, before you were born. It's probably the coolest thing in the Bible. And I don't think many Christians believe it. And yet Jesus said it in John 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. I was here, 
I did my miracles, I taught, I died for the sins of the world, and I rose. But I'm going to the Father because I believe that you can do greater things. I could stay and I could keep doing these things, but there's a better way, and the better way is for me to go to the Father so that you can do greater things than these. In the King James Version of the Bible, it it starts off, instead of saying very truly, it says verily, verily. But in the Greek, it's actually a bit more specific. Jesus starts with these words, amen, amen, I tell you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do greater things than these. He starts it, amen, amen. It's like when you start the prayer, and you start the prayer by saying, amen. This thing is going to be so true, I'm going to start with the amen so that you know it's true. But Jesus doesn't even just say it once, he says it twice. He's like, amen, amen. I'm going to tell you something, and it's the most important thing you're ever going to hear. You're going to do greater things than these. Well, how can I do this? It's even easier than that. All you have to do is believe. If you just believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, this power is in you. But Jesus walked on water. And you can do greater things than these. But Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And you can do greater things than that. But Jesus was able to give sight to the blind. And you can do greater things than that. Jesus walked on water. I know. But there's even more power in you than that. The only thing you don't get to do is die for the sins of the world. And it's because that is already done, that is already completed, that is finished. Jesus did that. He died for the sins of the world. He rose giving salvation to the world. And now that that is open, now that he has broken the power of hell, now you get to spread the joy of salvation to all those around you. You will do greater things than these. And so out of all the things that you may do in the name of Jesus, you may do miracles in the name of Jesus, but the greatest thing is the sharing of your Christian faith, of your Christian love with somebody who is lost for somebody that feels too far gone, for somebody who's hurt. Johnny Cash often spent time going from jail to Jesus. That's what he said. I'm just going from jail to Jesus. He's trying to figure it out. And now he's found a way to go from hurt to healing. Healing for himself and healing for others. In fact, healing others is how we heal ourselves. Because when you exhale grace, you create room for God to put even more grace in. Grace is always meant to be shared. It's never been meant. You're not meant to hold your breath with the grace. You're meant to exhale it so God can give you even more. And that's the gospel. We want to see more people free. That's what you're supporting. 
when you come here to Messiah, setting more people free. That's what you're supporting when you give to Messiah. Whether you give electronically, you give in the black boxes in the lobby, you're supporting the gospel going to more people and more people being free. And I want to personally thank you for giving sacrificially, supporting our ministry here at Messiah. I don't think we say it enough. In fact, there's a church in Canada right now, Trinity Lutheran Church in Churchbridge, Canada, that thanks you. They've been without a pastor for three years. Their elders were getting up and just reading notes from a book as the preaching. And they called me just before the series. They called me and they said, is there any way we can just take the message that you guys are doing there and just show it to our church? We have a couple hundred people. And I said, absolutely. And so they've been doing that. Up there in Canada, a Luther church, we've never met them. They just heard about the ministry. So that's what we're doing when we're supporting this. You, you are providing e-church for people in our community who can't be here in person, but apparently you're providing it for a bunch of Canadians too, and they were watching today. Thank you, Messiah. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of our ministry here. God is so good. Spreading the gospel, six baptisms today. Yes, it makes a difference what we do here. Let's pray.